Hello, everyone, and welcome to Police Off the Cuff After Hours Real Crime Stories. I'm your host, Bill Cannon. I'm a retired 27-year veteran of the NYPD, where I was a detective sergeant in Manhattan North Homicide Squad. And with me tonight, I have two retired NYPD detectives. Below me is Detective First Grade Retired Irma Rivera, who now works as a private investigator. Welcome to the show, Irma. Hi, everybody. And to my to my right is Detective Phil Grimaldi. Uh, he retired from the Intelligence Division, a 21-year veteran, but also worked many years in the 6-0 squad. And uh, Duty Ron will be joining us in a little while. Today uh, is the 36th day of this investigation. So uh, Summer was first reported missing on June 15th. So when you think of 36 days, one month and six days, it's just, it's way too long. It's just a crazy amount of time. I would love to say that we have a smoking gun and we have an answer to this and we're gonna, we're on the trail. But one of the things we do have is we have some of the investigative uh, techniques and some of the investigative steps they took. The information is coming back and they're gonna work on that. And in fact, they invi invited this group called Equisearch, who is the most unbelievable company of volunteers. They're from Texas. And they invited them to come back, and they're coming back Saturday morning, and they're going to start doing another search uh, in, in the area based on the investigative uh, tips that they have gotten. So this this group, Equisearch, I'm going to play you a little video. The other night, uh, the, uh, the uh, CEO of uh, Equisearch Dave Rader came on Duty Ron's show on Monday night, and I'm going to show you a little bit of what uh, what he had to say. You didn't see me. All I got, all I got on my screen is, is, is still the... Uh... There's a new way to vacation here. And stay in a place like this. Sorry, guys. They, they. Perfect. Uh, the, the piece uh, led up to okay, it. Okay, so that's that's why I can't. Uh, All right. How far it was. Yeah, you're good, right there, Bill. You want to lean back into that? I'm sorry. Yeah, I, I would just like to know when you when you when you finally got there and you had all your personnel put together. What was the organization of this search like? How was how was it put together? How was it? How were the personnel deployed? And how was it determined? Who would search what specific areas, and how would they search these specific areas? You know, at the time they were they were still searching around the house, thinking that this girl walked away. So at that point in time, there was no found body ever mentioned, or I don't think it was considered. Um, so at that point in time, they were strategically breaking down in and around that house into grids. And then what they would do is keep all of your manpower together so they wasn't like basically breaking you up and put with another group. So they took those groups and depending on the qualifications and what you're used to is how they broke it down into where what sector that you went to. Um, you know, they, they had aviation in the air, they had the helo, they had um, they had dog teams. Uh, I think that they had five or six different dog teams down there. So they were strategically placing the dogs ahead of uh, the foot searchers, and then we would go in behind them as a checks and balances. 
and it was well organized. Uh, they would actually take us to, they would bus us in uh, to each individual um, plot of land that we were going to do. And then we were in radio contact as far as if we, if we found anything, if we found any evidence, uh, we were all GPS tracked. And I can tell you, uh, if I could share that with you, um, it, it, it's incredible on the amount of manpower that was in and around that, uh, that piece of property in that mountain uh, over the course of those five or six days that I was there. You know, Dave, uh, so the, the, the folks are going to ask, uh, now there's, there's different types of dogs, bloodhounds, there's cadaver dogs. What were all manner of dogs working this scene? Yeah, they were actually using uh, live track and they were also using cadaver. Um, from what I understand, they could not get a very good uh, scent article from the house for summer because I think that everything was kind of shared. So I'm not too sure how well that uh, that played out, but they did use cadaver and they also used um, they also used live track, and, and not one of them took us in any one direction. So was it confirmed, Dave, that they did bring in multiple uh, dogs into the home and outside of the home? Because there's been reports that the do some dogs got the scent to the end of the road of the house and then it, it, it stopped there. Is there any truth to that statement, Dave? From from what I understand, um, yes. That, that you know, as far as the interior of the house, I have no knowledge of that working. But um, I did hear on several occasions that the the, the live track took it to the end of the um, uh, end of the driveway, and, and and that's where they lost it. And usually, that means they get into a car. But again, if if you look up, guys, if you look up where this house sits. Um, and, and the thought possi possibility of a stranger abduction, it does not make sense at all. Only for the simple reason that you have to go, you're, you're, you're in a secluded area, number one. Number two is, is that you have to come off of a main road to go down their road, only to go back a long driveway. Right. And again, if they're all sitting there and they're all there, the, the odds of that happening are, to me, are slim to none. And, you know, and Dave, we heard a lot about the family's dogs. And it said there was reported that there was anywhere from seven to 20 dogs. Can you confirm that? I, I cannot confirm that. I know that there was a couple of dogs, but as far as um, that many dogs, um, I, I can't confirm that at all. Which that I, would make it even more difficult for a stranger to come onto the property. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And I would think that if, if she wandered away, I would think one of those dogs would go with her. I'm showing an overview of the property. I don't know if you could see that. Guys, one of the most important statements I think he made was that uh, a stranger abduction, considering where this house is, does not make any sense at all. The odds of that happening are slim to none. And if she wandered away, one of the family dogs would have went with her. That's coming from a, a professional, the man who is the, the CEO of this Equus search team. Uh, I, to me, that was very important. The other thing that was super important that he said was that the dogs would have followed her had she walked off. And, and, and that didn't happen. Phil, you want to comment on that? 
Wow, Bill, I have a lot to say about this company, Equisearch. I mean, think about it. When we were in the NYPD, when we had a missing persons case, each borough and some of the boroughs like Manhattan and Brooklyn had north and south. We had a thing called the task force, which was uniform personnel. So if I had a missing, I could pick up the phone, call the task force. I could have a sergeant and 10 cops, two sergeants and 20 cops, or I could have a whole platoon of uniform officers to do a search. But in this case, you have a small police department that's stretched to the bone. They're using fire rescue, rescue to do the searches. And then you look at this company, Texas EquiSearch, which was founded by Tim Miller, who uh, in 2000, who his daughter, Laura, was abducted and murdered. And he started this company. Now, when I heard about this company and I watched, uh, before I watched the interview, I thought it might be a fly-by-night company. They want to help volunteers. No, these are professionals, heavy-duty equipment that they can track each other with uh, GPS devices, which is great because nobody will get lost in the woods. Obviously, the terrain there is unbelievable. They have drones that can actually tell if there's an area of land that's been recently dug up or disturbed. So they can find the body that maybe has been uh, uh, buried. Now, in 1,860 searches that they've done, they have 400 missing returns safe. 400 missing returns safe. That says a ton for this company. And then on 238 cases, remains of deceased were found in their uh, in their searches. So, I mean, I hope that whoever's responsible for this is listening to this because they're going to find something. This, this company is fantastic. Now, if you're in a small police department that's stretched to the bone and you're trying to follow up leads and you're trying to do a search and this company comes in with a group of people, we have Duty Ron joining us. Welcome, Duty Ron. Hi. Hey guys. Uh, hi, Irma. Hi, uh, hi. Phil, Bill. Uh, I'm sorry. I, that cocktails and, and, and the podcast I did, oh, they, they, I came on time, but they were late. <laughs> <laughs> well, it just shows you, you're so in demand that, uh, you know, you're being called out everywhere. Yeah. Uh, sorry I joined late. Uh, welcome, everybody, in the chat. Thank you so much for joining. And I'm just hanging out listening to you guys. Uh, you know, Phil, you, you're right. This this organization, um, EquiSearch, is unbelievable. I just want to toss it a little bit to Irma. Before Irma. you do, I just want to say one thing. I don't mean to interrupt you, but at the end of tonight's show, I'm going to make a donation to EquiSearch. I know that they work on donations. They are a uh, non-for-profit organization. I looked up their website. I was very impressed. And one of the specific things, I was going to mention this before Ron came on. They have... Uh, a tremendous respect for law enforcement with regard to protecting and preserving evidence. Okay, that's a big thing. They will not come out to do a search unless there's a reasonable expectation that a person is going to be found and that the request comes from law enforcement that they work with law enforcement. Now, there was something in the website, just a minute more, Bill. All, th this was said by, I believe, the founder, Tim Miller. Only on TV will you see a foul play missing persons case solved in one hour. That goes to say what we do as investigators, that things aren't found in a minute. And I love that. I think this is a professional operation. And like I said, at the end of tonight's broadcast, I'm going on their website, making a donation. Anybody that's listening, any of the subscribers, if you could throw a few dollars their way, $5, $10, whatever, it'll be greatly appreciated. And this is a great organization. I can't say it enough. Hey, can I say one thing quickly? Go ahead, Duty Ron. Um, so, uh, Phil, thank you for uh, donating to them. 
I'm going to give you EquiSearch Midwest because EquiSearch in Texas and Midwest, they operate completely separate. So the ones that are going to Tennessee, uh, you know, with uh, Dave, the interview I did last night, his organization, and he, this is coming from him, uh, they're, they're part of the same team, but each chapter operates individually. So if you donate and you're going to be donating towards the Summer Wells kind of search thing, uh, I sent, I'll give you the link to it. There's a link to his Midwest chapter. Go I would ahead. donate to them. And then if there's a case that the Texas guys are on, we could donate to them too. But I wanted to piggyback two seconds, Bill, and I'm sorry I just came on the show. Um, they never compromised an investigation in those 400 recoveries of live human beings and then the 238 sets of remains that they recovered for family. Never once did they compromise an investigation. And that was an impressive uh, stat for me. And I confirmed it with Dave and he was just like, yeah, no, we, we will we'll never you know, move any recovery. We know they, they're well-trained and most of them are retired law enforcement. So, Irma, do you remember the question? It's been a while. <laughs> no, I don't. <laughs> no, I just, I just asked you, what are your feelings about, we had spoken about uh, that Dave said it's highly unlikely that this was an abduction. Right, first, of, first of all, before I answer that question, I want to um, just clarify one thing that I have to say. I mean, I heard what I said on the last, my last interview, and I can understand why I got beat up on YouTube um, when I made a comment about ignorant Southerners. I didn't, I wasn't referring to everybody that's Southern. I was actually referring to this family. So if anybody got offended by that, I'm really sorry. All right. And I just wanted to clarify that. Okay. Now, in regards to her being that the last scent was in the driveway. I mean, they keep talking about a stranger abduction. Why can't it be someone that she knows? Like I keep saying this, like, you know, even with the car hitting at the end of the driveway, like what well, we just heard, it could be someone that she knows. It doesn't have to be a stranger. And I just keep, you know, I keep mentioning this because people keep talking about stranger abduction. I mean, it could have been anybody that she knows. And the well, fact that know, they the last that, sentence at the driveway, I mean, to me, it makes me feel more that she may have been abducted. We're, we're going to find out because this company, I'm pretty sure, if she's out there somewhere in, in those woods and she's dead, they're going to find her. Well, folks, just so you know, um, EquiSearch starts this Saturday morning at 8 o'clock in the morning. And they've requested that people that live in that area, Rogersville, Tennessee, don't say anything about where they're searching, if they see them in a specific area, because they want that to be kept strictly confidential. Because the chances, if there is foul play here, and if the if the bad guy or guys or girls see what they're doing, they could basically arrange what they're doing to stay away from that area. Or, and so they don't want their position compromised at all. So, but they're, they're an unbelievable search team. They have, like Phil was talking about before, the equipment they have, they have sonar to do underwater searches. So that means you don't have to risk the lives of scuba divers. They put the sonar in there. It's unbelievable. He mentioned the drones. The drones are like $35,000. They can tell if the ground was disturbed. So I think we can be pretty confident that these guys are the best. And if they, now they marry the investigation to the search. And that's where we're going to get results. Duty, Ron, what do you say? Yeah, I mean, I, I I agree. I mean, 
listen, there's so much that stinks about this investigation and these this family. Not not necessarily the investigation, but the family. I, I feel strongly that there is definitely foul play, as we heard from Equisearch last night. You know, you asked them some really tough questions, Bill, and that's why I was happy to have you on with me. Uh, and, you know, again, there's so much that needs to be uh, uncovered, and there's so many pieces of the puzzle to be put together. And uh, there's a lot of work to do on this, but I think we know where the concentration of the work should be. You know, I just I just have to mention it because it's sort of like the elephant in the room. Uh, Chris McDonough um, from the podcast, interview, uh, the, interview. the interview room, interviewed H today in the presence of his mother and his grandmother. Now, that the purpose, I guess, that would serve is that people in the community and people in the podcast world will find out what happened. But I, I'm not sure that the investigators will be that pleased with him doing that. Yeah, Bill, I, I didn't get to see it yet because I was doing the taping of the, um, the, the podcast that I was on tonight. But that was all going down while I was doing the taping. Uh, but I did hear it was a, a, a big uproar. Um, you know, I, you and I spoke about and most retired law enforcement and anybody who's done investigations would agree that it's not anybody in a civilian role to be interviewing anyone that is involved or potentially involved in a missing person that could potentially turn into a murder investigation. So that being said, I didn't see any of the interview. I heard the hoopla because my website got lit up. Many people sent me messages, DMs. My phones were lighting up. My, uh, you know, all of my stuff was interview room, interview room, interview room. And, and you know what? Like you said, it appeases the masses of people who want to hear about it. But I would guarantee you that the FBI and the CBI uh, will not be happy about that. Well, you know, I know myself when I was running a major investigation uh, in Manhattan uh, with the Homicide Squad, when the press tried to talk to uh, material witnesses, we, that did not make us happy at all because you can shut the witness down too. You can make a witness uh, invoke counsel and all those things, you know, it, that's the job of the police and the investigators assigned to the case. I want to ask Irma because she was, uh, you know, she was in special victims, right? You, you were in ch child abuse and it's, yeah. that's what. What's your take on a, you know, like, I mean, the kid's 15 years old, I believe, this Hunter kid, right? So um, if, if in fact he was, and, and I'm saying, I'm, I know he was interviewed because I'm reading all the messages that were coming across. What's your feeling on that? If you were on this case and you had to interview this kid uh, for potential missing persons or a criminal investigation, what's your take on it, Irma? I would be very upset if somebody interviewed him, you know, I mean, that there was not law enforcement. I'm, I know, I, I'm pretty sure that... I think that he did get permission to interview him. I mean, I, I, at least I would hope that. But I would her, have a real the parent. Her, his mom was there, present. I didn't yeah. see it, oh. but I read the emails. They said right. he was interviewed at his at a location with the mom. Yeah, but the, it, he looked, did, it, uh, it looked like it was on the front porch of their house. Oh, and right. I, and I think I I didn't watch the whole thing. I watched a, a very short part of it, but I think he also indicated that he had gotten permission. From law enforcement i don't right. know whether well, i mean right. but well, i mean what are, what are they going to say don't do it and he's going to say i'm going to do it anyway you know but, but if the guy got the blessing and he went to and you know i know chris you know from youtube 
uh, and I've had many conversations with him. He, he's a, a retired homicide detective. Right. All right. So he is not some some jagaloon that's out on the internet trying to you know uh, stir up uh, uh, you know trouble See, in an investigation. So if he See, went, if, if right. he went right to the authorities there and went and said, "Hey, listen, if it, yeah, he, you know, show his credentials, say, you know, hey, I was on the job, I'm retired. Would it be okay if I went out to such and such location and interviewed this kid? If they gave him this, then then there's I don't see any problem with it." The only thing I can see why they would give permission would be to see what he tells what he tells them, what he tells Chris. You know, right. maybe it might be something different that he told that he told them. So, I mean, that in that point, I, I could see it would be okay if they gave permission to allow that interview. Maybe they want to see what he tells them, what he tells Chris to compare what he had told them. Does anybody they, know in the chat that he did he get permission from law enforcement? Does anybody? That's know what I heard on, on the, I heard that. He I, I that think about. he did say that, duty run. I think he said he did it, get permission. It sounds like he's the kind of guy that wouldn't compromise an investigation. No, and if care. I were the detective on the case and I felt a hundred percent okay with it, I would allow it. But mm -hmm. if I didn't feel a hundred percent okay, I would tell the the person. I would tell H or his family. Listen, we don't recommend that you do that. We want to keep this investigation close right. to the vest. And and I would I would caution them not to do it, that you might be compromising the investigation. So, I mean, right. sometimes people want to get their 15 minutes of fame. Maybe that's what it was. But from what you're saying, Ron, that this guy is a retired homicide detective, I doubt that he would do it without the permission of right. the Tennessee Bureau of Investigation or the Hawkins County Sheriff. And, so, so, you know, so it sounds like he, he must have followed the photos. You know? so, then, so then in my book, it, it, it's a it's a good thing. If he got the yeah. blessing, um, uh, you know, maybe they're looking for help from him to get, sure. like Irma said, to get information out of this kid. And I'm going to definitely watch it after this is over. Uh, and, 100%. you know, again, I'll reach out to Chris and uh, I'll talk to him and, you know, about it. And just because I know he's a, a mobile on the road with the mobile camper and he's driving across country. So I'm sure him and his wife. And, and you know what? Listen, for the short time that I know Chris, he's a classic. He's a classy guy. He's a class act. So it, it, for me, it, if he didn't get permission, I would be shocked. But we know right. that he, we know that he did. So kudos to him. I can't wait to watch it. Well, it also said that, you know, he, he was going to hand over all the information to the TBI and the FBI. However, they already have that information, unless it totally differs from what they sure. got in the initial interview. They're going to compare it up? Of right, course. and that's what I would do. Yeah, yeah. That's why I would give permission. Bill, that's, can that's I make a, a point about uh, something that uh, that Dan Rader brought to our attention on the uh, show with you and Duty Ron? Sure. Okay. He gave us something that we haven't had on all of the shows that we did recently. On all of the shows, we didn't have intimate knowledge of the case. We didn't have the case folder. We didn't speak to any detectives. However, he was present during the searches. He was present at the home. And I think he laid out a pretty good idea of what they saw when they got there. Now, I know that Irma is, is kind of stuck on, maybe it was a friendly person that came and uh, possibly abducted Summer. But the reason I disagree with that is because they talked about a no number of dogs, seven or eight or ten dogs. I would think now based on we're going by the statements of the family that they were all home. There were a lot of people in the house. There were a lot of dogs, even if a friendly person. Now, my dog and I have a little small dog. Somebody comes to the door, even that he knows he barks like crazy. He barks even more if it's a stranger, obviously. But I think that they would have been alerted. And according to Candace's statement, 
It was only a couple of minutes that she was out of their sight. So I would think in that terrain, and he described the terrain. That's the other thing. The terrain there is really not not copacetic for just driving up, picking somebody and leaving, you know? So right, I, I think- Wait, but the dogs, a lot, of, a lot of them are puppies. I don't know if you noticed that there's a lot of puppies on that property. Like one of the dogs gave birth. She has like a litter. So I'm not sure it, when they, you say 20 dogs, is it 20 large dogs or is it, the, are you counting these little puppies, you know? So. Well, with that said too, it could, it could be puppies. I don't know. He, he described dogs. He said there were, I think he said there was at least seven dogs. Of course there was a report that there was 20 dogs, but he said there was, there was like six or seven dogs or something, if I'm correct. Now, even forget the dogs, let's take the dogs out of the equation. I just feel that at 630 in the afternoon, it was light out. It's the summertime, June, it's the, you know, it's light out for somebody to get in there and get out of there with someone without being spotted. When there was all this activity going on in the house, I just, like I said, I don't think it's impossible, but I just doubt it at this point. I think Dave Rader shined a new light on this investigation. He gave us information. He gave us intimate knowledge and details of the location, and he gave us intimate knowledge and details of the a matter of factly kind right, of guys. That they guys, had. I'm going to go. I'm going to go to a tape. Uh, we're going to uh, just play this for a second. Another trip back this weekend. Why not uh, keep the keep the bus rolling, as I say, and and, and, and go out a little bit further, uh, some fresh eyes, uh, some fresh people. Let's let's get this done. David Rader is the director for EquiSearch Midwest, a volunteer-based nonprofit search group out of Texas and Ohio. He reached out to the incident commander of search operations to ask if they could come back. There's some things that we would like to go over uh, that was just kind of bothering us as far as areas being searched and maybe going out a little bit further. So we, I reached out to him. Captain Tim Coop is still in charge of the search efforts on the ground for Summer Wells. He wasn't available for an interview today, but told us, quote, they along with several other teams have been so out with support and wanting to help out. I decided to have them come back and assist with some areas and search needs as a combination decision by both agencies. We have their blessing. Uh, they trust us enough to do what we do and, um, and hopefully we'll have success. Raider stresses the importance of the public not being involved in the search and not disclosing exact locations of search groups, not only because of safety due to the terrain, but also because it could hinder the investigation. We can't have people stating that we were on this road at this specific spot because then at that point in time when we, when we mark it off that nothing's there, it's a possibility somebody could move, move her or evidence to that area and, and it's already been marked off as search so we don't go back to it. That sentiment, something echoed by the agent for the TBI leading the investigation. There could be a criminal aspect and something happened to her. Um, and in order for us to work that investigation, there's just something that we're not able to share with the public. Raider says his group will begin searching at 8 a.m. I, uh, I think we lost audio. Just remove right. it. You got it. Remove it. You got it, brother. Just remove the scene. You got it. Can I say one thing? Go ahead. You know, if, if she wasn't abduct, abducted by a stranger or by someone that she knows, the only person that I think could have, who knows what happened to her is her mother. 
you know, I think the mother's story is a little bit inconsistent with the timeline. But how about if 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 she saw her mother maybe having sex with this young kid? I mean, who knows what really what could have happened? But that's another thing. Like if she caught her mother doing something wrong, I could see her mother, you know, at that point, maybe doing something to her. But otherwise, I just can't see the parents doing anything to her. That's just my opinion. Look, although Dave is not an investigator, he was the first one that we got from the horse's mouth that said her statement sucks. Oh, yeah, basically. it does. The timeline does. It's, it's, it's not even close to what someone who was telling the truth would say. I mean, I you said, also said it. We, oh, go, ahead, go ahead, Ron. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Phil. I said it right from the beginning. The very first video that I did on it, I said the whole thing stinks to high heavens. I only had Don's statement. But then when I heard them both talk together, right away, I knew that this story is just not correct. They're getting, um, they're not on the same page and they're, they're, there's inconsistencies in the story. And these subtle inconsistencies, uh, they make a difference. I mean, you know, it might not seem like major to other people, but when she talks about, I was just out there and you lose track of time when you're having a good time. How is having a good time, you know, uh, correlating to picking up your mother from the hospital, going to get medicine for medication for her, and then all of a sudden you're out planting uh, flowers. Uh, you know, I, I left for two minutes, I came back, and she was gone. You know, yeah. whether that two minutes was two minutes or 20 minutes, it doesn't matter. You know, just- well, you know, Duty, Ron, we had discussed uh, on your show with David that he doesn't think, and I don't think, she was ever brought back to the property uh, I- after she was at at the Walgreens after she was at that swimming hole. I don't think she ever made it back to that property. And I would think the bloodhounds would somewhat indicate that because they they stopped at the end of the road, which is indicative of her just leaving Breaking in the car and, and not coming back. And they're not gonna tell us everything that they had on their hits with the bloodhounds. There's a lot of it they'll keep close to the, to the chest and they're not gonna release it for very good reason. So I think all of these extra interviews that Don is doing, his rubber gums mouth on Facebook and all of these interviews he's conducting and kid talking to Chris, I think all of that's going to be uh, useful to TBI and the FBI when they put this investigation uh, and it comes to a close. Yeah, folks in the chat, we're not saying that Candace isn't involved. We think she is very much involved. What we're saying is, I'm at least saying it, I don't think she was abducted. I think Candace uh, and Don have everything to do with this. I really do. I, I still think she was abducted. That's just my opinion. I just think she was abducted. I mean, why not? I mean, there's so many kids abducted in Tennessee. I mean, the fact that the husband goes to the driveway, I mean, why not? Why can't she be abducted? I mean, and this is where, where the term ignorant came from. And it was misunderstood that I was saying like ignorant Southern people. I'm, I meant like her parents seem like ignorant people. You know, they're drinking. They seem like they are, the mother seems like she's high. The father seems like they're high drunk. So maybe people might might stereotype them because of the fact that they like that. Doesn't mean that they don't love the children. I think that Candace appears to be a good mother. If you look at all her stuff from before this happened, she looked like she was a good mother. And that's my opinion. Just because you're a, a, a drunk, an alcoholic, a junkie, you know, except the fact that the mother allowed her to go with other people. That's the only thing that I felt that she was not a good mother. She let some guy take them out. She has this woman in the church hanging out with her daughter. So in that sense, I think she doesn't watch her children the way she should but i don't think that she's a bad mother that she's capable of killing her daughter that's just my opinion i might be 100 percent wrong 
I, I just want to say something about what Dave Rader brought to us. He seems like a very common sense guy. He's not an investigator. However, he's involved in this search and rescue team. And his eyes were on the ground. He saw the layout. He saw the people. He saw the terrain. And in his opinion, what he said, he didn't buy the story that Candace and Don were giving. Now, I know you said you think she was a good mother, Irma, but there was definitely some bizarre behavior. I can't say whether she was or wasn't a good mother, but there was definitely some bizarre behavior going on. You mentioned about the church. I mean, the father in an interview talked about the hair being shaved and then uh, the daughter that shaved a little bit of her own hair and then they shaved the whole thing. I think that that's bizarre, bizarre behavior. And we talked about that Bureau of Child Services may or may not be involved in this case if they should be in my opinion so i think that there's a lot more pointing after this interview with dave rader that their story is not jiving and it, he said it doesn't seem likely that there was an abduction that those were his words and he was there he was on the ground if the abduction theory is a 0.1 percent chance in the uh in the statistics you know i looked up the statistics on the missing children's website the missing persons website and the, the statistics are very low, uh, the, you know, the percentages, but it's not impossible, like I'm saying, this, these are possibilities. We're having a conversation amongst, you know, four very seasoned investigators. And the, the creepy people that uh, I think that people are alluding to that Hunter spoke about tonight, there's probably tons of creepy people in, in and around that area. Uh, there was a report of a camper on another property setting up shop and there was a report made to the police uh, to get that camper off the adjacent property to the wells. Um, so, yeah, we're looking at the house right now, but adjacent to that house was another piece of property. Somebody decided to start uh, setting up a, a campsite. It was in like a blue truck. And um, there's a documentation about that uh, being reported to law enforcement. Uh, at the end of the day, you know, there's probably tons of creepy people that they have to interview and look into uh, mm -hmm. in, in and around this surrounding area. And that's why it takes time. Uh, again, we have not seen the interview rooms interview of Hunter or his, any subsequent interviews. So we're not privy to what was spoken about in those in that interview that just dropped tonight. So at the end of the day, uh, we, you know, everyone's talking about it in the chat. We don't, we didn't see it yet, but we certainly will look at it. We will look at it and we'll check it out. Guys, just hang on. I'm, I'm going to go to a quick commercial and we'll be back in a few minutes. Okay. Folks, if you're looking to move out of the Northeast down to the South, say Myrtle Beach, South Carolina, Carol Waters is a realtor down there. She used to be a bartender in Manhattan at Fitzpatrick's Hotel. Her and her husband, Rob Mayen, who was an NYPD police officer who rolled over to the fire department, they both sell real estate down there and they're very successful. So whether you're looking for a vacation home, a condo, or want to relocate down there, give Carol Waters a call, 914-261-6681, or you can email her at carolwaterssellsmb at gmail.com. Joel Murray, attorney at law. Joe is a terrific trial attorney as well as a victim's advocate. Joe can be reached at jmurray-law.com. That's his website, jmurray-law.com. You can be emailed, emailed Joe at joe at jmurray-law.com. His telephone number is 646-838-1702. 646-838-1702. Joe's not only a terrific attorney, he's also 
a former member of the NYPD with over 15 years experience as a police officer. So he knows both sides of the fence. Give Joe a call, 646-838-1702 if you're in need of legal counsel. Joe Murray, great attorney. You know, guys, I just, I just want to mention something, too. Um, this interview done by Chris McDonough, I, I reiterate that the FBI and TBI and perhaps local police have already interviewed him. So unless they're trying to compare the different statements, there it, it it's he's not going to come up with any smoking gun information that TBI and the FBI already know. However, however, he interviewed uh, H in front of his mother and his grandmother. Most investigators know that that sometimes makes the information unreliable if you have to interview them in front of their parents because they're saying things, they're almost being coached by the presence of an adult there. And I would definitely want a professional interview, and Irma, you know this too, obviously, from all your years in special victims. You want it one-on-one, -on -one and you don't want the parent in the room. No, no, it's gonna, anybody. The kid's, the kid's not gonna be as truthful uh, uh, with the parent he out of the lying. room. He might be lying. Sometimes when the parents are in the room, the kids won't say anything. You know, and I got to clarify one thing about, you know, Coin Candace is a good mother. It's not like she's a, the mother of the year, but just because you're a junkie does not, or a drug addict, a drunk, doesn't make you really a bad mother. And I'm not saying like a bad, a good mother is a mother that doesn't drink, doesn't smoke. You know, I'm not saying that. I'm just saying that I, a lot of stuff that I see, like she takes her daughter out. She does a lot of stuff for her kids. You know, I mean, she could be a good mother, but she could be also a drunk, you know? I mean, doesn't make you a, a horrible mother if you're an alcoholic. Look, I, I, I think it's obvious that she has an alcoholic a drug problem. Of course she is, yeah. I got to add one thing to that statement. You know, um, listen, at, when my when my wife was r raising my kids and they brought their friends over, my wife was not giving a 15-year-old kid an alcoholic yeah. beverage. So no. that, that to me constitutes not a good mother. That's and I'm not having an argument with you, Irma, about it, but I'm trying right. to say that she was less than a good mother. I, I right. think we can all agree to that. She's not of mother of the year. She's not keeping track of time. She can't even fucking right. tell us at wh wh what time she got back to her house. Uh, right. When you're trying to have fun, you just lose track she's of time. And, right. you know, like, uh, and, and duty, Ron, how about her going out and telling a 9, 11, and a 12-year-old boy to clean the house? Yeah. yeah Are I you like, kidding I me? I those kids home to clean the house. My kids would fucking burn the house down. Come on. Yeah. <laughs> Listen, the, the interview that she's done, the ones that I saw, she zoned out. So Irma, I know she may have done things with her kids and, and she probably, you know, took them here and there and she wasn't a horrible mother, let's say, but how good of a mother could she be if she's in that condition in the middle of the day? I, I just think that, and, and I'm going to put a lot of weight into what Dave Raiders said, that only because he seems very professional. He doesn't seem, uh, you know, like a buff or anything like that. He's very articulate. He was on the ground. He saw it. And his opinion, that's a strong opinion. That's of almost course. like one of the investigators telling me, you know, that, they, listen, if we were in, involved in the case intimately, we might have our own opinions. I have an opinion about the case and I'll share it. My opinion is I think that both of them are lying. Both of the parents are lying. And she was either killed or accidentally died and, and they disposed of her. That's what I think happened at this point, unfortunately. Is it possible that I'm wrong? Yeah, of course. She I, think, if anybody, I think it would be the mother. I think it would be Candace that might be involved, but it would be with somebody else, maybe with a 15-year-old boy. But I just can't, you know, I, I just don't think that, um, that she did it by you know, herself. One of the if, things I want to say, though, is that 
with this Equus search, which happens 8 o'clock on Saturday morning, hopefully they got targeted locations to search because, after all, the investigation has been going on for 36 days. So they have information. And I, you, I could tell in Dave's face and in, in his eyes that he knew a lot of things he wasn't telling us. So I think, I believe, I truly believe they have some targeted areas they're going to search. And hopefully they're going to they're going to bear fruit with this search on Saturday. I'm going to say this, Bill. Um, yeah, I'm going to say this, Bill, uh, Irma and Phil. Uh, Dave has already agreed to give me an update, whether it's audio or video. He's going to go back to the hotel on Saturday night when they're done with their search. Uh, he's going to come on with me and give an update, obviously not giving away any kind of locations or anything like that. But it was his idea. He wanted to give updates to folks on what they're going to be doing and whether they're going to stay, uh, you know, an extra day or two or what their plan is at that point. So he will be joining me on Saturday night. And Bill, I know if you're available, you're going to come uh, on with us. Absolutely. Um, and, and there's going to be some a little bit of extra extra um, information, uh, not obviously about the locations of where they searched or what they searched. Uh, but uh, Dave wants to do a little bit of something. You're going to want to definitely put some time aside Saturday night to see this because he's going to come uh, live with us and give a little bit of a, a, an inside look to some stuff that you guys would not necessarily get a look to. You know, folks, no, no. everyone everyone has a theory about what occurred. Mm -hmm. But until we get evidence that we can flip the switch and we can get someone to confess or someone to give up information, uh, we can just ha have just that theories and we're no better than anyone else hypothesizing or theorizing about what occurred. Professionals, investigators, you have to tie the evidence to to the interviews of these folks and hopefully you get you get a statement or a confession. Now what happens? Can I just piggyback something that Bill said? I want to piggyback something that you said, Bill. Uh, when they go out there on Saturday, they're going to be directed by law enforcement. Now, Dave stressed this, and I read this on the web, on the uh, website of the uh, of, of the site that uh, Equisearch. Um, law enforcement's not going to make them search in an area that they don't think is going to be fruitful. So they're going to be directed. Law enforcement welcome them, and they only work with the with the. Uh, you know, with law enforcement wanting them there. So I think that they're going to put them in an area. Let's hope it's not uh, disclosed by anyone. And they're going to conduct a search. And maybe Saturday there might be some uh, turning points to this case. I hope so. Now, now, what happens if there's not? Like, what happens if they don't recover her there? What happens? Well, they're not, they're not leaving in 24 hours. They're going to yeah. stay there. So right. they, they're, right. they're there now, to lend their expertise for as long as they're needed, you know? Right. You got to realize the investigators and the searches on the scene are exhausted right. from 36 days of working in human hours and horrendous heat and horrendous terrain. And they could use a break. They need the help of this organization. That's, you know, they're fantastic at doing what they do. Right. Mm -hmm. yeah. And, and I didn't, you know, I'd imagine, and you know, I did have conversations with him privately after, uh, and, you know, uh, Law enforcement has definitely uh, given or, or will be giving them specific locations to search. Uh, he's not going to just go randomly, like, you know, without plan. He right. was he reached out. He told us he reached out to them and said, I want to offer my services. And Tim Coop, his words, Dave, Dave Raider's words, Tim Coop, Captain Tim Coop, 
said, I want fresh eyes. I want you guys to come down here. And if everybody everybody that's following this remembers, on June 27th, when that last conference came out, where they said, we're wrapping it up, Tim Coop and uh, Ronnie Lawson, Sheriff Ronnie Lawson said, we need fresh eyes. We need more people. We need fresh bodies was what the word that they used. It probably wasn't a great terminology to use, but he said, we need fresh bodies here because we need to give our guys a break and we need other eyes to look at things the way we might not be, you know, they look at it differently. So he could be going over the same areas or could be going into new areas where they got information that they don't want to let out to the public. And that I think is the most important thing. And one of the reasons why uh, Dave said, we don't want anyone giving up our location. That's one of another reasons why he doesn't want that given up because maybe it is yeah. some really good information. And, you know, I hope God willing that we'll have closure to this thing. But if it doesn't happen, they, I know he has told me I'll come back five times if I have to. So I just hope she's recovered alive at some point. That would be fantastic. I know. And it's happened. I mean, there's been, there's been kids who've been missing for 10 years and they've recovered. You know, I mean, that, it happens sometimes. Right. Well, well they've, they've recovered 400 people alive the, during... I just hope that when they go out on Saturday... Yeah, say it again, Bill? No, no, I, I thought you froze up. <laughs> Bill's frozen. I'm, I'm frozen? Am I? No, nobody's frozen. Go ahead. Oh, okay. No, I'm good. No, Phil was saying you know, on Saturday on, when this. God, no, no. I I hope on, on Saturday when the search takes place. I'm sorry, Bill. I just want to get this out. I hope when the, the search takes place on Saturday, uh, we, you guys said it on your show uh, the other night. Hopefully, nobody you know will put out the location or anything like that. Let them do their work. They have a lot of hard work to do. The terrain is terrible, and let's keep our fingers crossed that uh, something good will come out of it. You know, there was something in the chat just now um, that, you know, and again, I didn't listen to the interview. I listened to maybe five minutes of it, but something about some creepy guy. Now, I don't know if that kid H is saying that from his actual recollection or he saw that or someone planted that in his head. First of all, this kid H has ADHD and uh, he seems to have some other issues. So I don't know how strong of a witness he actually is. So I don't know who, who did he see this creepy guy or did someone plant that in his mind? Yeah, I don't know. You know, I, I can't wait to watch that interview that, you know, and, and, and again, I saw a couple of, uh, I think I saw one comment earlier and then one in the, in the middle of this. Um, nobody nobody threw chris under the bus here we just said that you know I, and i didn't know that he had um prior you know approval um but i know that he's a good guy and um at the end of the day he doesn't want to try to soil an investigation so it makes all the sense in the world to me that he went and got that prior approval so i want to make it really clear i don't know who it was but maybe you know um whoever whoever did say that you're you're sadly mistaken uh there's no way that we're throwing anybody under the bus here. But what we are saying is, is it's not always a good idea to go in and, and, and interview folks who could be tied in or witnesses to a potential either homicide or something bad happening to somebody. Uh, but when you get approval and you have prior law enforcement, uh, then you're you're getting you're getting a blessing. So kudos to him. I can't wait to see it. John no. A in the chat. Uh, John A in the chat says, from your police experience. 
compared to similar cases where the parents did, did it, is it unusual that the parent's story would include so many witnesses, H, H's mother, Candace's mother, three boys? No. Lots of cases have lots of witnesses and lots of players involved, and you have to sift through all of this stuff to get to the truth. And sometimes the more people involved, actually it helps you, you know, for to get more information that you can vet against information that may or may not be true. Now, what about you know, the possibility? Wait, sorry. Go ahead, Armin, you go. Go. go ahead. You can go. I was going to say, maybe the possibility exists that um, they wanted him to do this interview to see if what he was going to say is going to change or, or he's not relative to the case and they don't care what he says. You know, I mean, the, those two possibilities exist. And uh, I don't think that anybody here threw him under the bus, meaning Chris, for this interview. I, we all said we wouldn't want it done to us if it was a pertinent person to the investigation, a witness or somebody that could be a, a perpetrator. You wouldn't want them being interviewed by uh, by anyone, you know. So I think we made that point. But we also made the point that uh, it sounds like he's an experienced investigator and probably got permission from, uh, you know, from the TBI. I, I read in the chats that it said that. And, um, you know, so uh, they went along with it. The mother and father, I mean, the mother and grandmother were there. So it sounds like everything was kosher. Yeah, I'm going to call him tomorrow. I'll talk to him on the phone about it. Um, and, I, and I'm sure 100 percent that if, if, you know, people are saying that in the chat, uh, in fact, he did get that permission. But I think, Bill, this is a good question for you. It, it, I mean, this is not common occurrence where you have a missing person that's uh, a child uh, that's blasted all over the uh, uh, all over the media. It's now a nationwide and now international story. Uh, I mean, if you were in charge of the case, would you allow that? I mean, I don't know. I, I, I can't. You can, I couldn't stop anyone from talking to the press or someone in the media. You can't. That's yeah. their choice. But what was what the a, thing like with, with NYPD? If, you, if someone came up to your PDU and said, "Hey, I, I want to talk to." such and such i mean we, what would what would that be i mean I, I would ask them not to do it but they 100 percent. they could 100%. still do it you know I, I, and i, I, would I just, wasn't a boss so i don't know yeah. but they must have interviewed him numerous times already the tbi i'm pretty sure they had spoken to him many many times already you know unless they allowed it just like i said earlier so to see what information he gives chris oh, gotcha, that's gotcha. one reason why i would allow that yeah i, I think they're I using think chris case Another question I have on this case that I still don't have an answer to is the red truck. Like, you know, everybody keeps talking about this red truck. Like, who's the person who said, who mentioned this red truck? Was that person interviewed? Was that person, like, looked at really carefully that they, he, that they was, didn't send them off on a while? Who's changed? That was picked like, up on a canvas, uh, Irma. That was picked up on a canvas, I believe. Right. But who's that person who said that? Right. I mean, I was picked up on a canvas, but was that person really looked at? I'm pretty sure all these things that we're saying that we're questioning, I'm pretty sure they are. They already have the answers to. I mean, we don't have the answers to that. We, we can't look at the case folder. We don't really know what's going. We don't really know what they've done. So it's it's easy for us to sit here. What if they didn't do this? They didn't do that. You know, all the questions that we have. But I'm pretty sure the TBI has done all this that we've talked about. And right now, I think the best thing is the search team that's coming in on Saturday, and from there, let's see what happens with that. I think you know, no, I, I have no doubt that they've done all the checklist things and they've, you know, right now is when um, that the investigative um, answers that you got can be used to help these searches on Saturday. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. That's I, I, think the, I think the tech data to the uh, investigation of uh, the computer forensics from phones, tablets, if they had any computers, if they had any, but like 
primarily her phone and Don's phone are going to be big players in the game here. Uh, that kid's phone undoubtedly would be would be taken. If they were using these prepaid phones, which a lot of people in the in in rural areas, not just down south, but upstate New York and all over the smaller areas, they get these, um, you know, like. Um, you know, burner phones. Like, I was trying to think of a better term for it because everyone yeah. uses it. But like, so you're going to get a, a charged up a phone. Track phone. Track phone. Yeah, like, you know, something you get out of like a Walmart or whatever the fuck. And, and, and 7-Eleven, they all sell them. Right, and just use that. It's got like 30 minutes on it or whatever and then just get rid of it. If they if they were using those, it would be a little challenging. But it looks like she was on TikTok, TikTok quite a bit. So you got to have a lot of data to be able to do that. So uh, the, the, the information that they extract from those phones, I think, are going to uh, play heavy in this as well. No, for sure. You know, and everyone's talking about, you know, obviously the cell phone uh, stuff takes a while to come back. It just doesn't come back overnight. Right. It can take it can take two weeks, it can take a month, it can take longer than that, depending on the carrier and many other things. But, you know, well, can case I make like a point this, about the burner phones? Go ahead. Now, the burner phones that Duty Ron was just talking about, naturally, if you have the phone and you use it, you can toss it. But if they can track a call that was made and get the actual number that was associated with that phone, then they can get a record of that. That's why burner phones always aren't always 100%. The, right. the encrypted apps is another story. But the burner phones... They're not always foolproof you because I've had occasion where uh, a burner phone was used, but they either if you can recover the actual burner phone, then you have all the data on it. But if they called somebody and you can find out the number of, of that burner phone, you can now get from the uh, from the company. You can subpoena those records like again, like you said, to piggyback off you said it does take time. But so they're not always 100 percent the burner phones. No, but I'm, as I said, I'm hoping that a lot of the investigative checklist stuff that they've, they've done has come back now and it makes it a good time for this Equus search to do their search and it sounds like there is going to be some targeted searching uh, not just randomly searching like that from the beginning right right uh, you know like there's just so much to do in this case and so much that's going to happen in the in the weeks and who knows how long this is going to take but at the end of the day, it looks like everyone is focused on getting to the bottom of what happened to Summer Wells. We're all uh, emotionally and attached to this case. Uh, at the end of the day, you know, law enforcement is going to do whatever they have to do. Look, Equisorch, these guys are going to be down there. And he has said to me in no uncertain terms, if I got to come back multiple times, I'm coming back. So, um, you know, this is far from over. And I think... Uh, I think justice will be served in this, and I think they'll find someone else. I hope. I hope so. Look, we're all we're all praying that that's that's what happens. That uh, the results of this search will be well, you know, will be recovered alive. Yeah. You know, yep. uh, that's that's the real hope. But uh, you know, it's been a tough case. Thirty-six days, and not a lot of information uh, was was being given out by the police and the TBI and the FBI, which is probably a good thing for the investigation, but not a good thing for people uh, that want to know little ins and outs of the case. 
Absolutely. You, know, you brought that up about what they did release. Now, if law enforcement or whoever's working on the case, the case detectives, if they thought it was an outright abduction, I think they would have cautioned people in the area. They might have approached it a little differently in the media, you know? That's why I, I don't put a lot of weight into the abduction as well. They didn't, they kind of seem very close to the vest with information that they are releasing. And I think if there was a danger that, uh, a stranger danger, so to speak, that someone was abducted like that, they might have put that out to, you know, to make it a little bit more cautious for a, a future abduction, you know? You know, folks in the chat, we don't doubt that uh, Chris did a great interview with H. I'm just, my only thing was questioning is, the FBI and the TBI, I'm sure, had that information. And it's, uh, they, they interviewed I'm him, I'm sure, on numerous occasions. And, and we were just talking about if we were running this investigation, whether we would want someone not in law enforcement interviewing a principal in the case. And that's all we're talking about. And I'm sure he did a great job in the interview. I haven't watched it yet. I'm going to watch it. And maybe it will also answer lots of questions that we have, that um, timeline questions that were never fully answered. And may maybe they'll be answered in his interview. We'll see. Yeah, I mean, you just got to hope that it's, you know, again, I hope it will lead to something uh, in this investigation. And, and Chris, uh, you know, I've always known him to, like I said, do a, a good job on all the things that he's covered. I've seen him on Suzanne Morphew. That case is arrest closed, you know, not obviously because of his work, but he covered it well. Uh, he is helping and working with Maya Miliete. She's a missing mom from California, um, and they're still searching for him. He's working with the family. He is uh, on the board of the Cold Case Foundation, so he's got quite a bit of credentials. And um, at the end of the day, you know, this is just a discussion about investigation tactics and techniques. Uh, and I just threw that question up to you, Bill, just just to have a conversation. Uh, I, I, you know, I've never heard in my in, in my 20 years plus that um, NYPD ever let anybody else interview somebody. And I'm sure that maybe there was a, a time and place that it did happen. Uh, it just seemed a bit odd to me. But I um, I'm so happy and I know that he went and did the right thing. And that's the great part about it. And if that can help them put some pieces of the puzzle back together then it's then it's a win-win you know so mm -hmm. it's good look i hope that the, he came up with information that they didn't have or they could vet their information against his and see that maybe there's some discrepancies and clear that up and and you know wind up finding a summer through this yeah. you know yeah. You know, Bill, what you're describing and Ron is describing is preserving the integrity of the investigation. And what I mean by that is this. There's been cases that I've worked on and either a boss will make a press conference and give a little too much information that we didn't want out there or sometimes right. things leak out and it just kind of trips up the whole investigation. The flow is going good. Now this happens and you have to approach it a different way. What I mean by that is, you know, information comes out about somebody you might've been looking at or different things like that. And it kind of, it could stymie the investigation. So preserving the integrity of it is very important. Again, we stressed and we didn't think that Chris did anything like that. It seemed like he had, I saw in the chat several times, he had permission from TBI and, and uh, the sheriff. So it sounds like uh, he did the right thing and followed the right protocols. And I'm not surprised by that because he's, uh, he's a man of his word. And I mean, I've had many personal phone conversations with Chris. We talked about many 
I've had him on my channel. He, I've been on his channel. His channel's linked in my suggested channel. So at the end of the day, um, you know, uh, I, I, I love the work that he's done and I love what he's doing here on YouTube. So it's, uh, is the full interview on online right now of Hunter? Yeah, I think, it, yeah, he, he, he did it in a couple of parts. Part one, he had an interview of, of Hunter. And I think part two, he, he had some um, psychologist on analyzing. I saw that, I saw, I saw that, but I'd like to see the full yeah. interview if possible. Right. Yeah, that will be interesting. Yeah, I mean, that's why I'd rather not comment until I see it. Yeah, yeah. Well, but, it looks like there's some, uh, there's going to be some at least fresh information yeah. uh, that we didn't have before today. Um based on, you know, Chris McDonough's interview. He's from the interview room. That's the name of his podcast. So he interviewed H. He got some uh, new information that we weren't aware of. And then hopefully this, you know, this Saturday uh, with Equus Search searching, we'll, we'll hope that something positive happens. 100%. 100%. Thank you to everybody in the chat uh, uh, coming over from my channel. I, I shared it. Um, I appreciate everybody positively interacting. I know... There's a lot of uh, opinions and, and, and people are, you know, there's heated conversations going on. But at the end of the day, you know, we're all just here talking about it and giving a police perspective. And it's all to get a conversation started and a conversation going about different directions. Because as Bill says, you know, we, we don't have a, a, a set timeline in this. It's all over the place. So nobody can really pinpoint down all the things that have happened. Uh, we don't have access to the case folder. So a lot of stuff is just all speculation and things of that nature. Uh, so this conversation is good. I think it's healthy. It's healthy to talk about it. Uh, and, you know, tempers are flaring because everybody's all upset because we don't know what happened to Summer Wells. This is a five-year-old girl. And that's uh, what's making everybody heated, I think, you know? Well, I think, you know, what you just said, yeah, he's going to come up with some... Uh information that we've never heard before uh, relative to the timeline yeah and uh th you know that's that's got that can only help us at least i don't know whether thank you joshua for the five dollar super chat i don't know if they, i mean i i think that tbi and fbi and the local police had that information but like irma brought up potentially they could compare the information against what they had and see if it uh was the same or if it was accurate or if there was Something added, something deleted, perfect, etc. You know, I also saw people saying that there's a second part of the interview coming to, uh, tomorrow night, so I, I'll be anxious to see that as well too. So I got right. a lot of watching. I got a lot of watching to do. Yeah, right. And then, and then, and then after Saturday, we can maybe discuss more about you know what we think. Yeah, yeah. Saturday night should be interesting because we'll get a bird's eye view from Dave um, from Ground Zero. You know, down boots on the ground. And he'll give us a good um, overview of what, you know, what the conversation is and what's the, you know, what's the feel down over in uh, in that location. So Rogersville, Tennessee should be hopping with activity. And um, again, uh, you know, I'm hoping that Dave has some good news for us, but that'll be Saturday night on my channel, probably somewhere around between eight and nine o'clock. Uh, Kristen Cure, thank you for the $10 super chat. Your question, if Summer never made it home, was Grandma with Summer or did they drop her off too? You know that answer, Duty Ron? 
I, I think uh, you know she never made it home. Grandma lives on the property in that, in that trailer, right? right. So um, I don't know. I, th- I thought that Dave may have answered that for us last night. He, yeah, he said he didn't think that, that uh, Summer ever made it back to that location. The property, yeah. Um, so, but she's saying if Summer never made it home, was Grandma with Summer, or did they drop her off too? See that that's not clear to us. That's why you know maybe yeah, this. No, interview no one knows. Yeah, yeah. One of the other things that Dave made us aware of is that she was last seen alive at two thirty in the afternoon at fourteen thirty hours. So you're talking about only a four hour window uh, between between the time that she was last seen alive and the time that she was reported missing. So that's not a long time, and right. that's why I don't think she could be too far from that location from that property you know i mean if she was seen i, I think he said she was seen at the location by h if i'm correct mm-hmm. yeah yeah so and the brothers yeah yeah joe murray sent out a uh, level one or level three mobilization for you phil uh, yeah, he, he said you were missing <laughs> we're always worried about him when he's in brooklyn you know did, did, was uh, i the only one that got cut out because all yeah, of a sudden i saw the so. spinning wheels and then everything went black uh, it was Joe you. Murray, thanks for the $5 Super Chat. Lieutenant Peter Pranzo, thank you so much for the $5 Super Chat. All them Raiders live. Um, yeah, you know, it's it's a little c- confusing because uh, when, when we're talking about things that we don't have 100% the information to. Right. And then tonight, prior to this, um, Chris McDonough had this interview, which cl- could clear up, potentially clear up a lot of things for us. But we, we weren't able to watch it before this. I can't wait uh, to see it. Yeah, I yeah, mean, I have a lot of very, I have a lot of uh, questions also, and um, you know, potentially I, it could clear up a lot of the questions we have. Yeah. And and I know I know I'm getting trashed a lot for like saying that you know, um, Ken is not a bad mother, but you know, I worked in sex crimes and I did a lot of child abuse cases for many years, and I seen mothers who are the if you saw them on the street, you think they're the biggest junkies, the, the worst mothers in the world, which some of them were, but some of them were also good mothers just because they were junkies and alcoholics. They weren't bad. They weren't bad mothers. They had a disease. And that's how I feel about alcoholism and junkies. You know, it's a disease. And some people have mental illnesses. Doesn't make them bad parents. They just have a problem, you know. And Candace, had, some of the stuff that I've seen. You know, she takes the kids out. She seems like she's a caring mother. She spends a lot of time with her daughter. Yeah, she's an alcoholic and she has her issues. But just because she has that doesn't make her absolutely, in my opinion, a horrific mother. I don't know because I don't know what her history is. I I don't know. I really don't know. But as far as I'm concerned with some of the stuff that I saw, she didn't seem like she was the worst mother in the world. I saw Lit Lolo. Lit Lolo in the chat said, the point of all this is finding Summer Wells. And that's a good that's a good statement right there. I agree with that. And that's it, right? Everybody yeah, has their opinions. You know what I mean? No one can like just like cops. Like no one can say how when we when we we're involved in a shooting, no one can measure our fear. You know, so no one can measure how somebody reacts in certain situations. Like me, I know I'm desensitized. So when something happens in my family, I'm like nothing because that's what happens when you're you're a cop. You know, for a long time. So everybody's different. Nobody can measure what somebody feels or how somebody reacts in certain situations yeah. factual breakdown thank you so much for the final super chat monte vista high school in danville california via duty ron loves police off the cuff these kids back to blue thank you it's good to hear can i explain what that can i explain what that means absolutely so, 
factual breakdown, who is a huge fan of yours and mine, uh, she's got her kids uh, are in Mont uh, in in California, uh, and they watch both me and you when we go live. It's a bunch of high school kids, and they love us. And I said to I said to Factual Breakdown, I said they love old men sitting talking about police stuff, and she's like, they they just love what you guys are talking about and all the police uh, jargon. They love it. So, hey kids, uh, stay in school, get good grades, and. Um, Listen to your mother. <laughs> as, as the rap, as the rappers say, don't be a fool. Stay in school. Yeah. And, and clean your room. Yeah. <laughs> and clean that room. That's like number one thing for kids. Yeah, yeah, keep your keep your room clean. That's that's yeah. true. I, I want to piggyback something that you said about uh, the the whether or not the mother was a good mother or not. I talked about a specific case on Bill's show previously, the Goldfarb murder in Coney Island. The key witness in that case, I called her a functional crackhead, and Bill was actually a little amused by that. But this woman had her kids. She actually was taking her kids to school in the morning, and she saw things in the case that were very pertinent and wound up leading to the arrest in the case. But she was a crackhead on the weekends or at night or whatever. But if you went into her house, it was clean. The kids were well-fed, dressed, and the children were well taken care of. So there is the possibility that you could be an addict and still be a – Halfway decent I've parent, seen you know? it. yeah, yeah. So, but, but the, yeah, look, the look that we saw with 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 Candace was far from what I just described. Right, right. Far from right. what I just described. And, and I right. think that you know opinions vary. You know, the, the opinions are like assholes. Everyone's got one, right? Exactly. Uh, and, and, and at the end of the day, no two people are going to come to the same conclusion about Candace Wells. Uh, right. There's people. There's people that are going to think she's a monster and that she's this and she's that. And I think she's ignorant. Nice to that. And there's going to be people who sympathize with her and say, you know, um, but somebody asked in the chat, do, uh, do you guys do, do you guys believe Kansas story? And I say, no, I'll answer that right now. Me. No. And oh, no way. I'm with you. I, I, I don't believe her story, but I don't believe her story. I just think that she was not paying attention to her daughter. And that's why something happened to her. Well, then she's, she's still tough. she's still complicit in it. Then if she did, she's not telling the truth. If something right. happened to her daughter, yeah. I think she could have been abducted by somebody else, by by someone that she knew. But and it's because her mother was not watching her. That's what I think. Someone yeah. in the chat says they're an adult and they need to clean their room too. Yeah. <laughs> there's there's a there's a general who ha, who has a gave a speech. I don't know his name right now. He goes, you wanna change the world start off by making your bed making your bed that's the name of his book that's the name of his book right I, I, love that, I love that someone told me to stop saying at the end of the day but at the end of the day i'm not going to stop that so you know what it is i, I love when people it. you know something get your own podcast you could say whatever you want exactly. <laughs> right exactly you're a, you're a master of your own destiny start your own podcast you could say whatever you want right why do people even have a problem with that statement i i, I to me it doesn't What's the big deal, you know? I don't, think I, I don't think at the end of the day, I don't think I use it that much, you know. So at the end of the day, you know, well, fuck it. You know? It makes it makes a good point. You're saying, you know, when it's all over at the end of the day, this is what happens. So I don't know. To me, I use it myself. I don't overuse it, but I don't think it's so bad. You know, by the way, there was an attempted kidnapping of a of a 12 year old boy in that county recently. Like uh, I think like last week or two weeks ago. So I mean, anything is possible. Yeah. There's, there's a lot and, of stuff going on in that county. Uh, Hawkins yeah, County. 
Hawkins County is pretty big. Rogersville, Tennessee. Uh, you know, the Hawkins. The, the, the Hawkins County is a lot of stuff going on, and a lot of kids going missing, and that, that can't be overlooked. Right. M. Ray, think- thank you so much for saying you love police off the cuff. We need love because we, we know sometimes we get a lot of hate in the <laughs> chat, so you, you need the love to offset the hate. Hate is good. Hate is good. It means they're paying attention. But you know something? We, we, I wouldn't have made it 27 years on the police department if hate affected me, you know? Correct. Correct. But, you know, again, like at, again, I'm going to say it at the end of the day. <laughs> but, you know, we're, 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 we're trying to have a conversation and, again, keep the um, keep this case alive by talking about it. There's so many YouTube folks that are talking about it, and it's a good thing as long as it doesn't turn into a toxic bowl of soup. And, and that for me is what I like about Bill and what I like about the interview room and I like about my channel is that we try to give you many different perspectives from many different law enforcement professionals. Uh, you get a, a different opinion from Phil, Irma, myself, Bill, uh, and you could just go on and on and on about it. And that's what's great about variety. You can just turn the channel off if you don't like what you're listening to. Like. I go right. on to AM radio and listen to talk, uh, you know, talk news or talk or sports. And I hear somebody talking bad about my team. I'm like, ah, I'm done with that. And I turn it off. So that's what's great about YouTube and variety is all over the place. You can just go and you could listen to drama people screaming and cursing at each other. You can come and listen to some people who have walked the walk and talk the talk, as Bill says, right? Um, that's one of my favorite expressions too. You know, when you know something. When I when I used to teach college, they would always point out to me things that I said all the time. I don't remember them firsthand, but the kids would say, "You always say that. You say that all the time." You know? Right. Yeah. You know what? We don't have empty opinions either. If we make an opinion on something, we usually back it up with the reasons why. Like I felt strongly about a lot of the things that Dave Rader brought into the uh, the conversation with the last show that he did. So that's I think that all of us do that. We all I mean, Irma has a tremendous experience with special victims. So she's given her opinion on, you know, she saw many mothers that were drug addicted or whatever. Some of them good, some of them bad. So I think these opinions are not just, you know, off the cuff, uh, empty opinions from the Internet. We we have the experience to back it up, too. So and we usually point that out. And we walk, we walk, we walk the walk. We know what goes on in the streets. People watch TV. They think it's like TV. It's not like TV. It's a complete different world when you're out here. Complete different world. Thank you for the love from Texas. We love you right back. The great state of Texas. You know, it's so. I'm I'm looking for someone said something like something about Phil from Brooklyn. I love that you need two clips to be there. (laughs) I'm sort of paraphrasing. I don't have the exact quote in front of me though. But that is two clips, two clips, two magazines. Well, two clips. That was the other night when I was in Brooklyn. I, I went That's live right. from Brooklyn. Right, right. Yeah, Billy Lake, hard thank hard you so much for the $5 super chat. You guys really appreciate it. Um, uh, Bianca says, bless you, Irma, for the work in special victims. I couldn't thank imagine. Thank you. Wow. Thank you. <laughs> and I, did, I, did, I did child abuse for 10 years. You know, unless you work in child abuse for 10 years, you you really won't understand. M. Ray says, Irma is my favorite. Two blue hearts. Love from Rhode Island. Wow. Thank you. (laughs) Did somebody pay that woman? (laughs) (laughs) You know it takes a special kind of detective to be in special victims and sex crimes. And Irma, we... See, but me, it doesn't matter what people's opinions of me are. The job is the job. We have a job to do, and that's it. 
So, I mean, when I was a detective, there's people that hated you when you locked up their kids, you know, or you took their kids away. I mean, that comes with a job, so it doesn't, right. it, it just falls off my shoulders. I really don't care. Lodzy Doodles, thank you so much for the $5 super chat. Let me she read. wrote, hey, I applied to be edited to Duty Run Discord, nothing yet. What's up with that? Is there an extra step I don't know about? Oh, hey, let me take that. Hold on a second. I got my friend Philly from Brooklyn here. Now, um, uh, Lottie Doodles, I saw the email late today. Uh, uh, Lottie Doodles, I'm going to add you to the Discord. I got to send you a private link to get into it. I didn't, I'm, you know, I'm not forgetting you. It's just that there was like a whole bunch of stuff that came in. I had to do a, um, a video for a podcast that I was on. So I didn't get time to add you. But guess what? Lottie Doodles, tonight I'm going to send you the link um, to join. All you got to do is click on it and get your butt in there. All right? Thank you for that. Skyland Schnell, in each of your professional opinions, what do you think happened to summer? I would love to hear everyone's opinion. Well, I mean, I think we, three of us pretty much have the same opinion. Uh, myself, Duty, Ron, and Phil think that uh, Candace had, and and uh, Don had something to do with it. Irma still thinks there's a potential that she was uh, abducted. I don't believe. I can't, that. I can't wait till we find out that she was abducted, and uh, you know, and then I can say I was right. But if I'll she, if, I'll buy dinner. I'll buy you dinner. If that happens, I hope she is home. right and that she's still alive. Not. That's what I hope. Yeah. yeah, I know. I'll buy you dinner for a month if that happens. That's true. Okay. You know, I just want to clarify I just something. Want you to live. I don't care. I want, to I want to clarify something in the chat. I wasn't trashing Chris McDonough. I said that if I was running this investigation, I wouldn't want anyone interviewing principals other than law enforcement. So if the, you take that as trash, you could tell him I said that. I'm sure he can listen to that. I don't care. That's what I would say. If I was running an investigation for the police department, I wouldn't want anyone outside the police department to interview any principals. And I hey, understand he, I understand he got permission. Agreed. But a lot of times the press would interview people on a case that we have, and what do we do? We watch the news and see what they said, right? I mean, yeah. that it happens. Sometimes the press interviews people you don't want them to interview. Oh, no, I, I, I mentioned that too before, but I just said mm -hmm. if I had my druthers, I would rather them not do it. Right. Right. But, but now being that this is down in a remote area in a, in a different, com completely different setting uh, from New York City, um, you know, smaller police departments, smaller units in the state, probably smaller units in the feds. They don't have a 26 federal plaza in uh, uh, Rogersville, Tennessee. So I, I guess the closest, biggest office would be in Georgia or something like that. I, I don't know. I'm just guessing. But um, they might welcome that kind of outside help from a retired professional who you know has good credentials yeah. right you know homicide detective and a uh, you know a profiler he's got like a lot of background you know he works in the cold case squad he's on the board uh so they might have welcomed him with open arms uh, you're asking a, a professional from the northeast the largest police department in the united states uh, that we have so many resources, we don't need outside help. So I think, Bill, to add on and piggyback on what you're saying is we have the resources to handle. We have our own crime scene unit. We have our own lab. We have our own, uh, you know, great uh, forensics unit. We got all the CSI stuff that you guys see on TV. We have it all, but we have it the real deal. So that's why a, a supervisor like Bill would say, don't mess with my investigation because we have so many people there. Uh, down here, they may need that help. Look, you got EquiCerts coming to help. And a lot of people sent me messages, like, hey, Duty Ron, 
why can't the police take care of searches? Why are they having some private um, uh, uh, non-for-profit organization come and help them? Aren't we paying tax dollars to have these police go and uh, you know do this stuff? It's not as simple as that. So they need the help and they're welcoming the help. So that's, that's why this makes this different. So the statement that Bill made stands true for New York City because of the amount of manpower we have. Right. No, but you know, let me just make it clear, though. I don't care what any of these keyboard warriors say. I'm going to say what I'm going to say. And if they want to go, go, oh, I'm going to tell, tell whoever you want. <laughs> you know, I got thousands of people listening. You know, I've been shot at. So tell whoever you want. All right. I mean, it's so ridiculous. Oh, I'm going to tell them you're jealous. You know, <laughs> you can't take it personal. I, I don't know. I, 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 I think that, don't, but I'm just, no, I'm just laughing. I'm just yeah, yeah. And but even the fans, they can't nobody take outside personal. the investigation should be doing interviews. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's procedure, I think. Anyway, folks, we're at uh, an hour and twenty minutes. I we can give our last uh, final thoughts, I think, and then um, you guys can all run and get some popcorn and watch the interview with H if you want. Could I go first? Uh, go ahead, like duty run. All right, so my final thoughts are, listen, there's a lot of work to do in this case, and I think it's important that everybody rallies around the investigators and the people who are in, uh, that are charged with finding out what happened to Summer Wells. Uh, send in donations to Equisearch, send in uh, money to help boost the reward fund. If you want to do something positive and um, contribute to this case, that's ways you could do it. Uh, again, there's so many places where you can go and get misinformation. We are just giving you what we have from a law enforcement perspective. Our perspective might not be what you want to hear or what you like, uh, but at the end of the day, it comes from uh, dozens and dozens and dozens, decades of law enforcement in some of the biggest uh, crime-laden parts of New York City between the four of us so that's the good news here and there's so many other people that are out there but i hope they find summer wells that's what what we need to keep at the forefront and i i pray to god every day that uh, there'll be closure for this and the family you know 100 percent. irma you want to give a last uh same thing i'm just i like to i'm going to be here this interview with um h and then i also um pray that on saturday something good comes out of this search Hundred percent, Philly. Straight out uh, of Brooklyn. I just want to say that uh, when I first heard about this EquiSearch, I was skeptical. The research, the interview of Dave Rader last night—it's uh, a legitimate organization. I, like I said, I'm going to make a uh, donation tonight when we go off the air. I'm going to look for that interview with uh, with Chris to see just what H said. It's going to be very telling. Uh, my opinion really wasn't public until tonight, where I say I think that Don. And Candace, their stories don't line up. And I feel that maybe something happened, something happened to Summer and either she was accidentally hurt and killed or she was killed and they dumped the body. That's my opinion at this point. I hope I'm wrong. Let's pray for the safe return. And Equisearch, they, uh, they had a lot of positive results. Good luck to them. And uh, that's it. Folks, uh you tuned in to Police Off the Cuff Real Crime Stories. I'm the host, Bill Cannon. I appreciate each and every one of you. Uh, we've sort of gotten a big blast in the last month. We had over 6,000 new subscribers. I thank Duty Ron, who is uh, 
helped me tremendously with my podcast to get it uh, get it on the map. And um, I usually bring on people with tremendous police experience, NYPD heroes, not just NYPD, but uh, we're here to, to dissect things. We're not here to put people down. And I didn't I wasn't putting Chris down. I was stating what police procedure is and whether I would want. I don't even know why I'm keep defending myself with this. I'll say, I'll say what I want to say, basically. And you can either change the channel or go somewhere else. Anyway, all you 6,000 or more subscribers in the last 28 days, thank you so much. Uh, we're going to come up with some amazing guests in the next few weeks. Uh, I'm going to keep cross-pollinating with Duty Ron. We uh, come on each other's shows. And it's uh, it's been a real uh, great ride these uh, these last few months. Can I so, say uh, go ahead, Duty Ron. Go ahead. Saturday night, uh, Dave from Equisearch is going to come on with me and Bill at uh, probably between 7 and 8 o'clock. I will schedule a live stream when I narrow down the time sometime during the day on Saturday. So look for a scheduled live stream. Equisearch, boots on the ground, live update Saturday night. You're not going to want to miss it. Definitely be there uh, and make sure you subscribe to this channel, Police Off the Cuff, and uh, my channel, Duty Ron, Crime Time. Folks, that's about it. That's all we got for you tonight. Thank you so much for tuning in. And we all pray that uh, that someone is recovered and alive. God bless everyone. Stay safe. Bye. Peace.